intercede for his people on behalf of his people to God. And he says, Lord, how will anyone know this is your people if you don't go with us? You've not told me who you're going to send with me. I don't want to go and take this people unless you go with us so that the world knows that this is your people whom you love and care for and take care of. And God says to Moses, you know what? Okay. I favor you, Moses. I, I'll go. I'll go. And then Moses makes this strange request to God. He says, show me your glory. Show me your glory. That is, show me your visible splendor. And God says, I will let all of my goodness pass before you. That's interesting. He doesn't say, I will let all of my glory pass before you. He says, I will let all of my goodness pass before you. And then he says, um, I'm going to hide you um, in the cleft of a rock and pass by, but you can't see my face. That is, you can't see my outer glory because you would die. Because you're a sinful, flawed human being and you could not abide the presence you could not abide the fullness of my glory and my presence. And so God comes by and proclaims in this revelation to Moses, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will be merciful to whom I will be merciful. You see what he's doing here? He said no to showing Moses his outer glory, and what he's showing to him is his inner glory, which is his goodness, which is manifest in his grace and his mercy towards his people who don't deserve it. In fact, these are a people who deserve to be excluded from the presence of a holy God. That's what they deserve by all means, on all accounts, because of their ongoing inclination to disobey. They deserve to be excluded. And God instead says, I'm going to show mercy. I'm going to show grace, and I'm going to go with you. Here's what this tells us, friends. God's glory, God's glory is manifest in his willingness to embrace those who deserve his exclusion. God's glory is manifest in his willingness to embrace those who deserve exclusion. Now, in the Old Testament, um, God's glory, it was always hidden. There was always a hiddenness to it. It was hidden in a pillar of fire or in a cloud, and then it was eventually hidden in the tabernacle, and then it was eventually hidden in the temple. But it was always hidden. God was present with his people, but there was a sense in which he kept a distance so that his people would not be incinerated by his holy presence. So I want to ask this question. What would it look like if God's glory came close? What if God's glory came close to humanity in a way that it never had before? Let me read you some words from the Gospel of John that you may have heard before. He says this, "...in the Word, that is Jesus, became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. You see, in Jesus, God's glory comes close. The holiness and splendor of God takes on human flesh and walks among humanity. It is no longer kept at a distance. God ordains to come close to humanity. Humanity that deserves to be excluded, he decides he will in his mercy come close and embrace them instead. You see, so there's good theology, right? Jesus is the, is the manifestation of God's, theo- of God's glory. Good theology, but what does it actually mean for us? What does it mean for us? You see, the fundamental purpose, 
The fundamental purpose of the body of Christ, the church, is to continue the ministry of Jesus on earth until he returns. So, guess whose job it is to be manifesting the glory of God in our world? Guess whose job it is? That's right. See, our own willingness to embrace those who are most deserving of our exclusion is now how the glory of God will be manifest in the world. There are more or less easy ways of doing this, and this is probably the way that we generally think about forgiveness and embrace, and that's when we get into a bit of a squabble with a family member or a friend. It's not all that difficult to be reconciled and to eventually say you're sorry to one another and find peace in the relationship. But there are also a lot of ways in which this is not so easy, in which we don't actually embrace the other. This is a challenge for all of us. This is something that I personally struggle with. I've recognized recently how much it is a struggle to embrace the other. I don't know if I could fully embrace the pastor who once spiritually abused me. I don't know if I could embrace someone who opens fire on thousands of people at a country music concert. I don't know if I could embrace someone who in their greed and in their wickedness make their money from trafficking human beings. I don't know if I could embrace them. But I know that by the power of the gospel, I should be able to. And it should be my prayer that I could. Now, let me give you a bit of a more down-to-earth example to demonstrate how this sort of thing happens in our everyday lives. Um, My wife and I don't get out often for dates But um, every once in a while, a very gracious babysitter comes along and we get to go out for a dinner. Um, We were able to go out the other night and it was the middle of the week and I didn't think we would need a reservation for the restaurant we were going to. And we got there and they they asked, do you have a reservation? It was very busy. Um, And we said, no, but could we get a table for two? And they said, yeah, we have one table left. And uh, so the hostess took us to our table and it was a table in the dead center of the restaurant. You know that table where no one wants to sit? There's a reason. It's the last table open and the waiters and waitresses are going by and bumping shoulders with you and you have to yell across the table to hear each other. And so we weren't thrilled about that, but we said, you know what, we'll get over it. We'll, we'll, we'll get over it. We'll make it work. Um, and then our waiter showed up. I was a waiter for uh, over 10 years before I went to seminary, and I will tell you that this was the most impersonal, impolite, unfriendly server that I have ever come across in my life. I mean, we were uncomfortable when he was at the table because every time he was there, he was so curt and so rude and so, uh, so uninterested in taking care of us, it made the experience very uncomfortable. He forgot our appetizer. He never asked if I wanted a drink refill. And do you think that in mercy and in grace that I embraced him and overlooked these things and had a forgiving attitude? No, I didn't. I didn't. I just proceeded to complain about him and call him a jerk and a bad waiter and all of these things behind um, his back. And even when I prayed for the food, I said, God, help me to love This man is you love him. And then I proceeded to speak badly about him and his personality and his presence. But afterwards, reflecting on that, it made me see how difficult in my own day-to-day life it is to embrace 
others, even others whose offenses are just really minor, who are just really, whose offenses are really small, really small things. You see, it's probably on a daily basis that in some way we exclude. We have a propensity to exclude others. Sometimes it's with an outburst of anger towards someone else. Um, It might be a silent resentment in our heart that we're holding towards someone else. Uh, It could be a word of gossip that actually excludes the other person that we're talking about. It could be a caricature that we make of a particular people uh, that makes us feel superior to them. Brothers and sisters, this should not be. You see, here's why. You and I, just like the Israelites actually deserve to be excluded from God's presence. That's what we deserve because of our sinfulness. But that same God humbled himself, took the form of a servant, Paul tells us, and made his glory known by opening his arms upon a torture device made from a tree to bear any and all punishment that humanity could ever deserve. All so that we could be made worthy of his embrace. Now note, not just so that he could tolerate us or allow us to continue living. He went further than that. He did that so that he could actually embrace us and to pull us into intimacy with himself. That's something that we have to consider when we think about what it truly means to embrace an enemy. Friends, what a good and loving, merciful father we have. And this is why Jesus can challenge us out of our comfort zones and say things like, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that, don't miss this last part, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Here's the thing. Loving and embracing our enemies is not just some arbitrary rule that God made up for us to follow. It's because it forms us into a particular kind of person. The person that God created us to be. So that you may be children of your Father in heaven. I read a quote recently that said something like this, if we ever cease to be troubled by the difference between the way of Jesus and our own way, we have stopped listening to the word of God challenging us. So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge For us to begin to ask God, who am I pushing outside the bounds of my mercy? Who have I said, you are not within the bounds of my mercy and my grace anymore? It just can't happen. It could be anyone. It could be um, on a day-to-day basis like the guy on his cell phone on I-4 in a traffic jam. It could be um, your waiter. It could be your husband or your wife. It could be your kids. It could be someone at church, someone at work. It could be anybody. It could be someone that you have for almost all of your life excluded from your merciful embrace, a relationship that you need to totally rethink in light of the gospel. But as our awareness grows, as our awareness grows of how we exclude others, so might our capacity for mercy and grace. Everyone, everyone wants to see the world become a better place, a more peaceful place. We are maybe more aware than ever of how divided we are, of how much rage and hatred and division there is in the world around us. And if it really breaks our hearts, if it really breaks our hearts, we will do something about it because this work starts with the church. 
It starts with the people that make up God's church embracing their enemies just as God embraced his. And when we become agents of the reconciliation that we want to see in the world, the glory of God, the splendor of God will be on display and the world will be reminded that there is one whose forgiving embrace is open to everyone who will receive it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we stand embraced by you, though we deserved exclusion. So we ask that you would help us understand what you went through so that we could be embraced, so that we too will be willing to go to whatever length it takes, not just to tolerate others, but to embrace them with the mercy and the compassion with which you embraced us. We ask that you'd prepare our hearts to come forward into this embrace that we call Holy Communion uh, with you and that you would speak a word to each one of us this day about where our lives need to be radically changed because of what you have done to embrace us. It is in your Son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen.